episode of the Success Code. Let's get it. Ready? Welcome to the Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the Success Code. Success Code. Yo, on this episode of The Success Code, it's your boy Roy, four-time best-selling author and your host of this show, The Success Code. I'm super excited. Not only do I have a brother on today, uh, one of my mentors, one of my coaches, a pastor, someone who's just so fresh, so oily, someone who <laughs> uh, gets what we call direct downloads from God yeah, to where yeah. just the his ideas and and the things that he, his mental abstractions and how he explained things comes directly from the word. Today, we got my brother, Jeff Osborne. What's up, bro? What up, what up, baby? How you doing, bro? Yo, how you doing? First, I want to say thank you. I know you're extremely busy. You just were talking about how you uh, just fed 5,000 people, um, healthcare yeah. workers, essential workers, after what's going on yeah. right now. Uh, just talk about that real quick. Yeah, man, it's been crazy, man, being a pastor for us. In most cases, you know, you always talk about being the church and and oftentimes the church is so polarized in a sense where they're looking at just what we preach on Sundays. But it goes beyond Sundays, man. And it starts saying, hey, if I can be the hands and feet of Jesus, how would Jesus do what he does? And I think we focus so much on what Jesus did. He died on the cross. He did all of this. But we don't study his approach of how he met people and how he loved people, regardless of their race, religion, sexual preference of where, you know, all those things. He was incorporated with all those. And so one of the greatest verses that I love is how God says, man, we love him because he first loved us. And, you know, for us, we really wanted to show the love of Christ because the Bible says God is love. So, man, we just said, well, what can we do? We partnered up with a phenomenal organization out here, bro. And it started off with 1,200 meals. Uh -huh. And we rallied all of our volunteers from our church, man. We had 60 plus cars of people who were ready to hand out meals. So we said, well, let's go to those on the front line. Let's go to the grocery stores. Let's go to the people who get cussed out because somebody can't buy 50 pounds of toilet paper. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like let's go let's go to them. And uh, we started off with 1,200. Then it grew to 2,000. And then literally just before we got on, I just got back. And uh, we did over 5,000 first responders, uh, all the ER nurses at, at Eisenhower, Desert Regional, JFK, uh, doctors, man, it's just been a great opportunity, bro, to be a part of what we're doing, man. Yo, that's so dope, man. It's uh, it's what much needed right now. And we're going to get into talking about uh, what more of what is needed right now. But real quick, just tell the people, um, you know, uh, we know you as Pastor Jeff. Tell, tell them more yeah. what you do. You're also a, a best-selling author. Uh, you're also yeah. a serial entrepreneur. So tell the people who yeah. you are and what you do. Ah, man. Uh, before I was Pastor Jeff, I was just Jeff. And uh, for the last 12 years, man, did a lot of uh, coaching, corporate coaching, uh, motivational speaking for sports teams and Fortune 5 companies. And, and probably about five years ago, God kind of started messing with your boy's heart. Yeah. And after starting multiple companies and dealing with my wife and speaking and writing, uh, uh, you know, multiple books and in that place, I was just like, man, it's something deeper. And I felt like you know, I always love the word of God. I love the principles of it. And God kept calling me. I want you to be a pastor. I fought him, bro. Like I fought him, man. I told God, nah, I ain't doing it. And he's like, I'm calling you to be a pastor. I said, nope, you got the wrong person. I don't politic. I ain't going to be, you know, kissing nobody's butt. I ain't into all that stuff. I love you, Jesus. I got tats all over and uh, I'm good on being a pastor. And I felt like he was like, that's why I'm calling you so that we can represent or represent 
uh, Jesus, man, and his love to the world. And so my wife and I started off launching a, uh, we, we, we partnered with one of our boys and we launched a campus out here in Palm Springs and God kind of blessed that. It blew up. Uh, it's over 500 people in like a year and a half. And then right around that time, man, I felt this, 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 I call it divine dissatisfaction, man. And I said, God, I love your word. I love people, but there's something different. I got to find out. I love business. I love your word, but how do I mesh the two? And uh, man, my wife and I transitioned out of that. My wife owns a phenomenal uh, dessert company. She does vegan desserts. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of transitioned out of the church in that aspect. We're still on the teaching team, still a pastor. But now, uh, man, me and one of my partners, bro, we founded a uh, inspirational network streaming company that's going to be launching soon. So now I'm in the tech industry. I'm in my sweet spot where I get to yeah. to kind of blend inspiration uh, and uh, hope and God's love and, and take it to the world, man. So I'm fired up about it. Yo, that's amazing. We'll, we're going to dive into that as well for all of those uh, you who just joined, got my boy Jeff T. Osborne, we call him Pastor Jeff, uh, best-selling on, uh, author, entrepreneur, uh, one of my mentors, one of my coaches, someone I really look up to. Um, flat out, I'm going to just say it, the best speaker in the world. Come on, man. Bro, <laughs> you're the best speaker in the world, bro. Um, uh, talk about that really quick. How are you able to look at the word and discern it in such a good way and able to bring that word to people and to the people. Obviously, you're a pastor, so you have to do that. But I've never seen anybody do it on a level that you do it. How do you soak in the word and how do you how do you become an instrument for God's word? Yeah, man, it's crazy. When you look at the word, bro, I always talk about it again. You heard me say it before, like you know, we always look at what Jesus did. But how do we study his approach? And one of the greatest ways to really reach people is to find, you know, um, in psychology, they call it shared reality, yeah. right? And so there's a shared reality that we all have. And when you can find that shared reality between both parties, when you're when you're preaching the word of God and you have a foundation to build on, uh -huh. then you have something to be able to expound on. And so, bro, when it came to the word, bro, I got into it because I was in prison. I was locked down. And, you know, obviously that's another side of it. We'll probably, you know, segue into that, but it was my only hope that I had. And so, I got tired of all of the politics and all of this, these people playing the church, but reading and hearing about this Jesus was two different things. So I had to get in the word for myself. And so as I started reading it, the principles, like it rocked me to its core. When you look at the Bible, the number one selling book in the history of all books, yeah. when you look at the, the, the congruency of it and, and, and regardless of what anybody says, you can look it up. I, I mean, you know, we've had our debates before and, mm -hmm. and, and we talk about it, but when you look at it, scientists have tried to prove or disprove the accuracy of the Bible, and yet they can't do it. And so when you look at that, like I said, if you want to become a millionaire, then you're going to follow what they're doing. I needed peace. I needed joy. Bible that true. I mean, we're just with and uh, and just even with that moment, bro. They said, man, most of our stuff and our teaching comes from the Bible comes from Jesus. And so when it came to his word, man, the first thing I always do is I try to put myself in the text. So I never just read the Bible. So I sound smart. I read it for myself first. Yeah. Jeff, where, where can you, so wherever it says somebody's name, bro, I just insert my name right there. Yeah. And I just bring myself into the text. Mm. And then, then once I'm in the text, then I say, okay, so how can I apply this to anybody's life? So whether you believe in God or not, the principles are so rich yeah. that I always tell people, man, these principles will change your life. You can spit the meat. I mean, you can chew the meat 
and spit out the bones. I hope the bones ain't Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? And so everything there is nutritious. And so most people find what they find. And if you can see a shared reality in that, that's the foundation to really build on God's word. And bro, I had to first apply it to my life and then figure out how you can feed it and share it out to other everybody else and make that word come alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. You taught me that how to read the word in that way. And one thing you said to me years ago, as I was coming up with content, coming up with ideas, you said, if you can't go to that Bible and verify it there, then you got to throw it out, bro. And I literally, everything I ever think of or come up with comes from yeah. there. Uh, just even going back to when I teach players how to, they got to create their own identity. Yeah, bro. I use the, I use the, you know, the Saul turn into Paul. That's identity creation. He said, Saul, it ain't my true self. He got knocked over. And then <laughs> then I got to become my true self. And he became uh, Paul, but you touched on your story. Um, and I was gonna, I usually ask the question in this way. We all have a dip. Um, I, I, we yeah. might've read this book together. Seth Golden calls it the dip in a time in our lives where we're going to go through something so tough that we yeah. just end it all and we want to quit and we all are going to go through it. So touching on your story, uh, what, how, what was your dip? What happened? And, uh, how'd you, how'd you get through it? Uh my dip happened in like the sixth grade was like the first dip that hit me, bro. When my parents end up uh, not knowing too much about business, man, they, they, this company came to me. We were living in Huntington beach at the time. So I was born in orange, raised in Huntington beach for the first half. And I was like the only brother who was like a skater who surfed, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I was kind of oblivious to color at that time. And, um, and we end up bad deal happened with one of the lenders and they, my parents didn't know too much about, the real estate aspect. And they said, listen, if you sign the house over to us, we'll give you a lower rate. And my parents did it, man. And they took the house from us. And so we get a knock on the door and the sheriff's like, you got two hours to get out. And here we were, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm in the sixth grade. I'm my son's age. And I'm wondering why all of our stuff is in trash bags on our front porch. The next day I had to go to school and my whole thought changed where I'm looking at these kids like, yo, you guys get to chill in the house. You guys got a car. What's wrong with me? because I'm homeless. And that led us to the next several years, man, not really having a place, um, sleeping in motels at times, sleeping in cars, watching my parents not eat so that they, they pretend like they weren't hungry. So, you know what I'm saying? That so that we could eat. And during that time, bro, you, you serve this identity crisis on one hand. Now I'm in the hood and I'm out in long beach right now. You know, I'm living with my Grammy. I got, you know, all the cats out there near 21st and Lewis. And they looking at me because I speak proper. And they're like, dog, you ain't even black. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, yo, my skin's the same color. But how come you guys aren't accepting me because I speak proper or I love jazz or I skated? And and so, man, that then we move from there to the IE. And then when I went to, you know, to the IE, bro, and I'm in school at Diamond Ranch, you know, and, and, and they shipping all the people in from Pomona. And then they started looking at me like, bro, like, what's up? And they started testing me. And I got so tired of people trying to test me. God bless your boy with the ability to play sports, but also bless me with hands. And so, you know, <laughs> if I couldn't agree on that way, you know what I'm saying? We was going to agree with the fist. And so it found me, bro, just kind of looking for acceptance. And then I started running with uh, some gangs, bro. And, and when my brothers ran away from home at 13 and yeah. started, they, they joined gangs. And then I thought, man, they making money. They coming back to school. Although as a star athlete, I was like, man, then I'm going to go get it like they did. Yeah. And that kind of just led me down to the first people giving me acceptance and affirmation was the gang, bro. Yeah. And so when, when, when you go to a place where you're looking for identity, anybody who gives you any type of validation, even if it's not real validation, the, the human body and the heart craves that. Yeah. 
And so when you you're craving identity, you're craving acceptance, you can go to anybody. And so, bro, that just led me to start running with the wrong crowd, hitting the streets. You know, you met me at probably like the most savage part of my life, dog. You know what I'm saying? And uh <laughs> bro, I got And then it just led me down there. Quick. I got to tell the story real quick as as we move on to your story. This is literally you guys uh and thank everybody on the chat. Uh Cam's on here. He said YP what up? Uh, George Yo. is on here. He said, "God is love." He said, "God bless you guys. God bless you too, George." Um, Come on. Uh, this is literally like. So first off, I didn't like. I didn't like you. Just, just, nah. just off rip. Just because <laughs> it was no reason. It was just like, who is this fresh dude? <laughs> and <laughs> and like, and I didn't even. We didn't even talk. It was just automatic. Just, just. Just, just hate. Mean mugging, dog. And we want mean mug each other, look each other up and down, like with the worst mean mug face. And I just told myself, I was like, yeah, we're probably going to fight one day. And then <laughs> one day, bro, we we're walking and we came across each other's paths to where we had to, uh, <laughs> we like <laughs> bump shoulders. We looked each other up and down with this mean mug. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't lie to you guys. This is exactly what we did. We looked each other up and down, then we just smiled and started hugging. Yeah, I've never yeah. I've never went through nothing like that in my life. It was almost like we both knew that this yeah. was, that we were both faking, that we were both just God fearing, yeah. like cool dudes who just wanted to do yeah. right, but we had this mask on and we saw each other's mask and we started smiling and we just hugged it out, bro. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like that that's you front man. I was a new kid at school and and big out big shout out to Cam who's watching right man. Man, I mean that's that's our brother, man. We've been through it. I mean, him and I since what seventh, eighth grade. And then we transitioned over, man. But I think all in all, that those are those relationships that you're there for, and that's what I was longing for. But I was again, I was still caught up in that life because my identity was so jacked up. And so uh senior year, man, right after we graduated, I was supposed to go play ball. And, uh, man, just started running the streets. And, and, man, one thing led to another. And I got arrested for six armed robberies and attempted murder. Mm -hmm. And, um, and man, when I got locked up, I was just like, look, God, I'm done running. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, whatever you have for me, you know, I'm there. I I want you to tell that story real quick because I remember this infamous story and just show how faithful God is. Um where your lawyer comes into the room and I remember this like it was yesterday and they were like, uh, yo, we got a deal for you, Jeff. And yeah. you were like, oh yeah, word. Like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, what y'all got? And they were just like, yeah. you know, uh, something like, uh, <laughs> like six to 15 years or something crazy like that. And you were like, oh really? They were like, yeah, you want to take it? And you were like, yeah, if you do half and I do half. Yeah, like, bro. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell that story, kind of what led up to that and how you were able to get through that, man. Yeah, man. The moment I got locked up, first off, man, every prison movie, like State Property, everything that I watched in high school, dog, went through your boy's head. Like, I was already looking for weapons, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, I didn't know what to what to think. I'm in L.A. County. And, uh, man, when I was there, bro, I mean, it was during the race riots, 05. And, uh, man, in the middle of all of that, I, I just started getting in my word. I was like, look, God, I'm done running. Whatever you have for me, I'm going I'm to I'm trust you. I'm going to follow you, but you got to show me you're real because I'm a real dude and I got real issues. Yeah. And uh, you got to show me that you're real. And sure enough, man, I just started diving into that word. And the first test that comes up to me yeah. is 
you know, they said, Mr. Oliver, we got a great deal, 16 years to life. And I said, really? They said, yeah. I said, I'll take it. Yeah. My, even my attorney was surprised, like, what? Really? Wow. And I was like, you do half and I'm going to do half. <laughs> like, I've never been locked up. You know, you ain't going to get your boy like that. Yeah. And I said, no. Nah. He said, do you understand that what you're up against? I said, yeah. You know, but my God's got me. And I'll never forget these words, man. He says, I believe in God and everything, but God can't change the heart of this judge and this DA. Wow. And, uh, and I said, man, my God's more powerful than all of them because he created them. And, uh, and that was that moment, brother, that I had to allow my faith to stand true. And most times, man, people don't realize, dude, it's not faith until your faith has been tested. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's not a real belief mm-hmm. until it's been tested. Before it's been tested, it's just an idea. I say it's a good idea. But it doesn't become a belief and it doesn't become faith unless it's been tested. And, bro, God brings us to certain seasons of our lives where he tests us. Yeah. He'll allow us to understand, do you really believe what you what you say you believe? And in that moment, I, it was contrary to where I wanted to be. I had no other choice. Yeah. And sometimes, man, your faith gets solidified in your marriages, in your relationships, in your business when you're starting as an entrepreneur when you have no choice. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of where I was at with it. And that's leading into uh, kind of what I wanted to get into is faith. Um, in these hard times, um, uh, you know, we named this uh, God's Already Worked It Out. And yeah. It's, I just want people to feel that certainty in the midst of uncertainty and have that faith. And so can you give us um, strategies and also kind of what you do and how you help people going through these hard times right now? Yeah, man. The first thing I always tell people when you're dealing with this is you got to understand this is that you're either going to be ran by fear or foresight. You're you're gonna in this moment. You're either gonna be ran by fear or foresight. When you're running by fear, you're frantic. You're panicking. You're making stupid decisions like buying toilet paper and water on a disease that doesn't even give you diarrhea. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like you you start following everybody else in this pandemic rather than staying rooted. And for me as a believer, bro, I love what Psalms 46 says. He goes he goes our God is our strength and our refuge, a present help in time of need. Therefore, I will not be afraid. And so when you look at Psalms 46, this is David being chased by Saul, who has a position that David was promised to have. And he's being he's running from everybody. He's running from these people who are trying to take his life. And he had to take a moment and just pause and say, man, our God is my strength and my refuge. That refuge means a place that you're running from where there's harm and people are going to do you any harm. And he says, I'm, you're, you're my strength. Yeah. And that word strength right there in the in the Hebrew, it means to be able to bear weight or pressure that you normally wouldn't be able to bear. And so even in that moment, God is saying, not only am I going to cover you, but I'm going to be over you and I'm going to cover you in such a way that the most pressure and the stress that would normally flip people out and cause them to, to deal with, you know, panic attacks. No, no, no. I'm going to put the weight on me. And that's the problem. We try to push God's size weight and we ain't God. And so we start panicking and our bodies start breaking down physiologically it starts breaking down because we're trying to take on God way. But when David says you're a present help, that word present means that he is intertwined. He is involved and he knows what's happening in your situation. And so what brings you peace in your mind and in your body, if you're believing God was not surprised, I tell this people all the time, God is not in heaven and you will never see God say, OMG, I never saw that coming. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't God, God, ain't, God ain't surprised by all this. But here's the question I always tell people 
If God had to pause, he allowed it. Now, I'm going to make this very clear. God does not give sickness. He'll allow it to happen because of choices and decisions we make. But God never gives sickness. But in Genesis 50, like Joseph said, when his brother sold him into prison and he ended up getting hooked up and second in command, he says, what you meant for evil, God turned around for good. And now what we're seeing is that the world is saying this is evil, but look at what's happening. Entrepreneurs are being birthed right now. People, maybe this was a sign for somebody who had been stuck in a dead end job and didn't know how they would get along without it. Now they're finding themselves taking that step of faith. Families are now having to deal with real issues. Kids are getting their parents back home again. And so there's so much stuff that is going on in this opportunity. You're either going to be ran by fear or foresight. And how I just kind of bring that piece in is at the end of the day, listen to this, right? This is oily right here. Ooh, here we go. The only reason why we are now facing the problems we're facing now is because God got us past problems that we didn't think we were going to get through before. So, so when we face a new problem, people always cry, God, if it's not one thing, it's another thing. God, if it's not one problem, it's another problem. You better be doing backflips. You better be doing the nay-nay. You better be doing the woe or something. <laughs> because if you're facing a new problem, it's because God got you past the old problem that you never thought you were going to get through. And so when men are inconsistent, God stays consistent because that's all he knows how to be. And so it's not that God doesn't come through. It's that we stress out and we make moves that aren't God moves. And then we put ourselves in worse situations and then we want to blame God because of it. You know what I'm saying? But if you know God is for you and you know that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And when Philippians 12, 2 talks about don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It takes a mindset renewal. And so if your mindset's not right right now, I was I, I use the I use the. Um, the suitcase analogy, right? So when you're packing a suitcase, when you pack for a suitcase, if I open your suitcase up, Roy, and I see that you got shorts and flip-flops on, then I know you're going to a warm climate. Yeah. If I open up, you know, somebody's suitcase and I see sweaters and I see, you know, jackets, I see scarves, I see beanies, I know they're going to a cold climate, right? The thing is about packing suitcases, you never pack a suitcase based off of where you've been or where you are right now you always pack your suitcase based off of where you're going. And in this moment, the question I have is, are you packing yourself for where you're going? Or are you only focused on where you are right now or what's happened? Because guess what? What happened in the past ain't working right now. And so the only thing that you need to pack for or prepare for, Uncle TD says it like this, your downtime is your prep time. So in your downtime, how are you prepping for where you're going? You better come out. I said this. Look, you better come out with a new set of skills. You better come out with a new way of thinking. Your marriage better be stronger. You better be fabulous and not flabby. Because at the end of the day, it's, if you're saying that you don't have time and you still come out the same way, then it's not a time issue. It's a discipline issue. And so, and so, how are you coming out of this? And so, what brings me peace is to know that God's not surprised by this. And if God got me past prison, if God got me and my wife past being homeless, if God got me past you know, digging through trash cans for food. And now I'm, I'm the co-founder of a tech company. And now I'm traveling around the world. I'm an author and I'm a pastor and I'm taking my family on vacation that I never thought I'd be able to be with. Then God's in control and I'm all right with that. All right. Oh, all right. So we, uh, bro. All right. So we're going to, you know how I get dog. You get yeah. me fired up, fam. <laughs> so you know we, we're going we're gonna to stay right here. We're going to stay in that. Uh, we got, um, Jerusalem. She said, 
he's speaking to me. She said, you're speaking to her, but she did say, but it's hard. What do you have to yeah. say to that? Um, I tell people like this, when it comes to faith, faith isn't easy, but it's simple. Faith isn't easy, but it's simple. Remember this, when you're going through hardships, I tell people this all the time. The hardest thing is not fighting the battle. The hardest thing is us to keep our faith and stay close to God. I mean, if we're going to keep it 100 and we're going to keep it funky, when we're going through hard times, what's the first thing we stop doing? Reading our Bible. Our Bible. What's the first thing we stop doing? Going to church. What's the first thing we stop doing? Listening to the worship music or the gospel, that new Yeezy album. You know what I'm saying? Or <laughs> you stop doing the things that got you peace in the first place. And so the battle, uh, is it Jocelyn, right? Yes. The, the battle is not in the issue itself. The battle is you believing that God is bigger than the issue you're facing. And so you have to constantly remind yourself of the power behind your God. We say it like this. Don't look at the bigness of your problem. Look at the bigness of your God. And when you understand that you're a son or you understand that you're a daughter of God, that's what he calls us, his sons and daughters. Then guess what? You understand that faith doesn't beg. Faith receives. I'm going to say that again. Faith doesn't beg. Faith receives. So my son and my daughter don't ever have to beg me for anything. They just, if daddy says he's going to get it, man, I, I got to, can I share this story real quick, Roy? And yeah, Jack, dude, ahead. this story changed my life. We got time. So we were in Chino Hills. I knew God called me to a purpose. God miraculously opens the door. I'm on, on a 16 year to life sentence. He opens the door. I'm at Chino State Prison. He opens the door up to the prison and gives me another opportunity. Miraculously, they release me. And I got a strike. I got a felony. Six armed robberies come up. But God's called me to a purpose. And I remember, and you guys remember this. Can remember this. You remember this. I would wake up every morning at 6 a.m. I would go to Panera Bread. And when I would go to the Panera there at the shops in Chino Hills, I would read and I would study and I would come up with messages and I'd be speaking. And people would be like, oh, you're so stupid. You know, nobody would ever hear you preach. I would go for jobs. McDonald's wouldn't even hire me. I was trying to scrub toilets. People wouldn't hire me. I remember going to dips and me, you and Cam and even Justin would talk about, you know, YP standing for young and prosperous and, and, and all of these different things. And in the midst of all of those stuff, I had this faith to believe that God could do something crazy. Well, here's the catch. My son, Jaden, was two years old. My wife came from money. Her parents were really successful. But here I was trying to be a father. My son, Jaden, was two. I'm in the kitchen. He comes up to me, man. Our God, it jacks me up every time I tell this story, dog. He comes to me and he goes, um, I think he's three. He's like, Daddy, I'm hungry. And I saw him. He opened up the refrigerator. There was no food, bro. He opened up the cabinet. There was no food. And, dog, I'm faced like a father. Like, dang, what am I going to do? And I told my little boy, I said, all right, but, you know, daddy's going to get us something to eat. And he says, OK, daddy, dog. He walks over to the table and he sits down at his little table, folds his arms and says, OK, daddy, I'll wait. And dog like it jacked me up because just as much faith that my son had in his daddy, knowing that his daddy was going to provide, even though he didn't see anything. That's the same faith we got to have with our heavenly father right now in this moment. That we got to be able to say, I'm going to sit right where you told me to sit. 
I'm going to sit in this place of peace. I'm going to sit in this place of joy. I'm going to sit in this place of love. I'm going to sit in this vibe, God, that you have for me. And I'm going to wait because I know that you're faithful. Just because I can't see you moving in the forefront doesn't mean you're not moving in the background. Bro, that's clutch, bro. Um, All right. So it's a couple things that I caught that I want to touch on. Yeah. The first is I always think about uh, um, when I went to see you speak and you were breaking down um, the story of David. We're going to get to that. But you were talking about how um, uh, the gentleman, God, uh, had a bet on his life and... Uh, God said you can get you can get at him. He told the devil you can get at him. Oh, you talking about you talking about Job? Job. He said, but yeah. just don't touch his body. And yeah. him sitting there, welts all over his body. Took all his money, broke. Took his family, took Killed everything. Yeah. yeah. And Job was kind of questioning God, like, why me? Why would you do this to me? And all of Job's friends were kind of like, bro, what'd you do? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thought you was a man of the Lord. So I want you to talk yeah. on that because that's kind of the mind frame that um, I go into when I'm struggling. I go, okay, you know, and I remember you talked about it in your, in your um, word. You said how God told Job, he said, where were you? Like, kind of like, where yeah. were you when I threw the stars in the sky? What were you when I told yeah. Yeah. the ocean, this body of water to stop right here? Yeah, where yeah, were yeah. You, bro? And I just want you to touch on that real quick because that's so inspiring for me. Yeah, man. When 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 that story opens up, it, it says that Satan came into the throne where God was at. And uh, and God asked him, like, where you been? He said, I'll just roam it to or fro around the earth. You know, he looking, he prowling. The Bible says in Peter that he, he prowls around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And so he's over there, you know, prowling around. And God says, have you observed my servant Job? In other words, he was like, did you see my boy Job? Like he's honoring me. Job was a wealthy man. He was blessed. Everybody loved calling him blessed. And he goes, man, did you have you seen my servant Job? Like, in other words, he's bragging about him. Yeah. And Satan goes, man, the only reason why he serves you and the only reason why he loves you is because he's blessed. But let me move some of those blessings from him and let's see if he really serves you. And God knew the heart of Job so much so that he says, fine, test it. Because at the end of this pain, he's going to be even more in love with me and he's going to see my glory even more in his life. So you can do whatever you got to do, but don't kill him. And so the devil goes, you know, bet, done. (laughs) So he goes out there, boom, they come out, man, did you just hear your sons and your daughters just died? A hurricane came through. And then and then all of a sudden it was like the next thing was like, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, your wife, you know, your wife is here. She's good. But, you know, look at all your other kids. Man, this caravan came and stole your, your, all your cattle and all your camel. He's like, dang, are you kidding me? And then all of a sudden, like my man rips his clothes after he finds out his kids are dying. And now he sit down and the next thing you know, bro, he has welts and boils all over his body. The Bible says he starts scraping them off with pot shears. And so. He's sitting there and the wife is talking to him like, yo, why don't you just curse God and die? Like, if God is really God, then why is he allowing this to happen? And Job's like, nah, I ain't doing it. And then his friends came along and were like, yo, you got to be doing some type of dirt for you to be going through what you're going through. And bro, I got to stop and say this right now because I feel it. 
somebody's watching this right now and you're looking at your life and you have to be aware of you receiving news from your kid, your, your people around you, your kinfolk, and them trying to tell you the reason why you're going through what you're going through is because you did something wrong. Most of the times, God doesn't allow you to go through what you're going through because you did something wrong. It's because he's trying to set you up for something right. It's because he's trying to set you up for something bigger than what you know. But remember this, until you've been tested, you can't be trusted. So until God tests you first to see if your faith is what it is, he's not going to trust you with that next thing. Why? Because if you're asking for more money, you're asking for opportunity, you're asking for a better relationship, but you haven't solidified yourself for God, you haven't understood who you are, he hasn't become your all in all, then those all things will become a curse. A good thing with a bad mindset is a curse. And so God would rather make sure that you are solidified in knowing that he's your provider. Remember this. God is your he, he is your source. Everything else is your resource. I'm going to say that again. God is your source. He is the source of everything. But God uses people to resource what God has placed inside of you. And so if you understand that God is your source, that means you won't sell yourself out for an opportunity. It means you won't change your moral standards because somebody offered you this job. You won't do your family wrong. If you got to do some, somebody wrong to get ahead in life, it'll never last. And so, and so that's why when you look at Job, Job stayed there. His friends kept saying he was wrong. He goes, no, I didn't do anything wrong. And finally he got fed up. He said, God, answer me. Like, God, holla at your boy right now because I'm going through what I'm going through right now. And then God finally answers after all of this time, God stays silent. And when God stays silent, this is this moment where he finally speaks up and he goes, man, where were you when I threw the scars in the sky? Where were you when I created this earth? Where were you when I told this water that it can only go so far? Where were you when I walked the deepest chasms of the ocean and I walked the floor myself? Like, where were you at? So no, you answer me and I'm, I'm going to talk to you and you answer me like a man. Like, in other words, God was like, I'm in control. And if you recognize that I'm in control, then you don't have to worry about what's happening. But in the end, I had to be able to test your heart. And the Bible says that Job got back double everything that was taken from him. Because if God only if God takes away, it's only because he's replacing with something more. If your character is intact and your heart is right, then God is always going to reward you with more. And so it's almost like that picture that we see on the, on the Insta Greasy uh, on Instagram, you see that little girl who's got the who's got the 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 the, the tattered, beat up, you know, a uh, bear in her hands, and you see Jesus kneeling in front of her. It's like, yo, give me the bear, and she's like, no, it's all I have, and she can't see the bigger bear behind his back. And oftentimes, we try to hold on to a good thing instead of going for a God thing. And so if you're going through a hard time right now and you're making sure your heart is right, your head is right, you're doing everything you need to do, you're honoring God in every way possible, then I'm telling you just relax because God is working behind the scenes and what you can't see in the forefront, God is working behind you. And I always tell people this, stop getting caught up on other everybody else's highlight reels on Instagram. Oh, say that again. We, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like we watch all these people highlights reels on Instagram. We see these people posting in front of these cars and we assume it's theirs, but we don't see the clip five minutes later when the owner of the car chases them off of the car and says, get away from my car. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't you don't see them like, oh, my God, why why are we in Bali? Why are we traveling the world when they took that vacation like 50? Like, you know, they took it like two years ago or a year ago and they're just posting it and, and sporadically posting it to make it seem like they're there in those places. 
know what I'm saying? And, and so we see the highlight reel of everybody else, but you don't understand what, what it took behind the scenes to get to that place. And so, I mean, if you're willing to pay that price and you're willing to pay, you know, Snoop says it, you got to pay the cost to be the boss. That's facts. That's what you know what I'm saying? They all the time. All right, everybody. We got uh, a couple people in here. Um, someone said, I love the story of Job. Thank you. Um, everybody, make sure you guys share. We got Jeff T. Osborne, Pastor Osborne, author, uh, serial entrepreneur, uh, my mentor, my coach. Um, loving on you, man. So now I want to venture into business real quick. We got about 10 yeah. minutes here. Perfect. And um, first, I want to start on the mindset of business. Um, again, one of your sermons or one of your speeches uh, taught me that mindset. And the way you taught me that mindset is we talked about how David was on the back of the mountain working and he was going to be king. But the most oily part, and I've never heard this told like this, and I'm just getting super excited talking about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. When they came and told him he was going to be king, nobody talks about how after he found out he was going to be king, he still had to go back on that mountain and still be a shepherd with, with yeah. feces on his shoes. And so yeah. you call that moment being anointed, but not yet appointed. And yeah. I, I want you to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, doc. So, man, and that story is crazy. I'll go even a step further on that context, bro. God tells Samuel, the prophet, hey, head over to Jesse. He's got some sons. That uh, that the king, the next king of Israel is over there. And so Samuel comes. And so Jesse, David's dad, is like, yo, what's up? And Samuel goes, man, uh, I want you to line your boys up because I'm going to, you know, there's something that God wants to do. I want to anoint them. Yeah. And so he gets all of the boys. So he sees the oldest brother. He's like, yo, he's swole. He looks right. Like, surely this is the king. Yeah. And God tells Samuel in that moment, it's not him. And then he starts going all the way down the line. And it's none of them. And then Samuel goes, yo, is this, are you sure this is all of your boys? Like, are these all your sons? Listen to the pops. Oh, yeah, I got one more. He's David, but he's just a shepherd in the field. Like, his own parent, yeah. his own dad was throwing shade on him and trying to disqualify him for his anointing and disqualify him for his purpose because he didn't think he had it in him. And oftentimes what happens, well, first off, we don't pursue our businesses or pursue our dreams is because of something our mom and our dad said to us when we were younger. Yeah. But in Jeremiah 1, 5, God says, before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you and I already called you. So if you're watching this, if before your mom and dad abused you, before they said a negative word about you, God says, I already knew you and I already appointed you. So it doesn't even matter what your parents say. If God already called you, then you call, period. That's number one. The second thing is he goes and grabs David. You can imagine David, man, he running in from the field. He dusty smelling like Dookie, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and he said for the dad, like, what's up, dad? And all the brothers are like, oh, man. And God tells Samuel he's the one. The Bible says he was handsome, but he was ruddy in his appearance. In other words, man, David was looking dusty. <laughs> but if you polish him up, my boy would look all right, you know? <laughs> well, watch. Here's the, here's, the, here's the context, bro. This is why context is so powerful. If you read the story, it says Samuel anointed his head. That's it. Samuel didn't even tell him what he was being anointed for. He just anointed his head first, because if I can anoint you from your head and get your thinking to believe that you're called for greatness, I don't even have to tell you what 
I just got to tell you that you're called for greatness and your mind starts thinking. My best friend, Andre uh, Walton, one of my best friends, I mean, he's a credible businessman. He called me at my lowest point. He said, yo, man, I just want to let you know that you and I are cut from the same cloth. He was this multimillionaire who called me out the blue after I just attempted suicide and was just like, yo, you and I are cut from the same cloth. And I said, man, if this millionaire can see this about me, what else is inside of me that's different? So in other words, he anointed my head in that moment. But the story goes on and says after he got anointed for greatness, my man had to go back to the backside of the mountain. So he don't even know what he's anointed for. He just know I got a purpose in my life. Mm -hmm. And most people, when it comes to entrepreneur and it comes to wealth or it comes to money, when it comes to having influence, there's just this knowing I can't you can't convince somebody. You can't train somebody. There is just this knowing inside of you. Grammy says it like this. My Grammy that, you know, that, you know, that, you know. That there's greatness inside you. You may not know how, but you know that I'm anointed for greatness. And so he goes back to the sheep and he has to tend this sheep. He has to go back to, to poop and fighting off lions and bears on the backside of a mountain with a slingshot. Now watch this, Doc. That there was a moment of tension when you're in your business. There was a moment of tension when I was trying to get out there to be speaking. There was a moment of tension when I was trying to get to a place of whatever influence that God had called me to have in my life, where the frustration for most people of greatness is the season of our life where we have been anointed, but not yet appointed. And there's a season of your life where God says, oh, I've called you for greatness, but I need you to build your skills. I need you to build your attributes. So the whole time Dave was on the backside of the mountain, nobody saw him killing the bear. Nobody saw him killing the lion. But there would come a moment in his life. Watch this, dog. Y'all better listen to your boy. There was a moment in his life where his dad said, listen, I need you to go carry some cheese and some wine and bread to your brothers who are in battle. And so David goes to the battle and sure enough, he's walking and everybody's afraid. He looks at his brothers coming to carry cheese and there's Goliath. And Goliath is in the middle of the field calling out everybody. And David, like who's been in the backside of the mountain, ain't been around nobody else's fears. Like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine coming against the <laughs> army of God? Like, don't you know who we are? You want that smoke? And his brother's like, shh, 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 don't say nothing. He like, nah. And he's like, yo, tell me what's going to happen to the person who takes him down. And they're like, yo, my man ain't going to have to pay taxes. Hello. Somebody say amen. Amen. Then he was like, yo, you get the king's daughter. And he's looking like, oh, she bad. Yeah. And then he goes, yeah, and, but you got to take him down. David says, bet. It's done. So Saul finds out what he's about to do. And, bro, he, Saul tries to put his armor on David. And it's Saul big. And David can't move. And listen to what David says. David says, this hasn't been tested. I don't know this. But what I do know is what I've been crafted with and what I've been working on the backside of the mountain. And that's my slingshot. So all I need is some some stones and a slingshot and let me go to work. And, bro, that's the story that we hear where David came at him and came at him with one stone, one shot, bro. Boom, let that thing fly. Bow. Hit Goliath in the middle of his forehead, doc. Killed my man. Took Goliath's sword out. Cut his head off. Right? Cut his head off. And, and, and holds it up. Now, here's the catch. The Bible says that he grabbed five stones. He killed Goliath with one. And people say, well, why did he grab the other ones? Because Goliath had four other brothers just as big as him. And he said, I got a stone from every last one of y'all if y'all want it. <laughs> like, like, and and why, why am I saying this? Because of this. Is that when you're on the backside of the mountain, 
It's your time to prepare for where God wants you to go. When you're on the backside, when you're anointed, God is going to give you the right time for you to be at the right place with the right people. And that was the moment that when he killed Goliath, that set his whole life in a trajectory. And so instead of you trying to force your way into doors that God didn't open, people say, well, if the door is locked, then, then, then break the window. Nah, nah, nah. If the door is locked, then keep building your craft because when God chooses to open a door, no man can shut it. And you're going to walk through and you're going to have to force, you're going to have to manipulate because when God says that you're anointed, when the right time comes, he's going to point you to that place. Ooh. Boy, that's clutch, bro. That's clutch, bro. And I remember you were also talking about how um, Goliath was David's opportunity. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He was on the back of the mountain getting his skills up. God was also creating an opportunity called Goliath. So are you going to be ready for your opportunity when he oh, comes? talking? <laughs> you preaching, Doc, and that's the moment. People don't understand. He said, look, God took me through when I killed the bear. He took me when I killed the lion, and God going to deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And this is the moment that I'm saying is that when you look at new opportunity— a new opposition. If it's big, it's a God dream. If you can accomplish everything you desire to have in your life on your own, it's not a God dream. It's too small. It's too small. And so God will give you a God-sized dream that looks crazy and people will tell you you're crazy. People told me I was stupid. I was crazy. For, I did moves that nobody, nobody even, I mean, I, would, bro, I did fake moves that were crazy that nobody understood. But in the end, I was like, God, you with me. So Everybody's so afraid. If I step here, then I'm going to miss God. If I step here, I'm going to miss God. But I tell everybody this. If you make a move and you say, God, if you bless me with this, I'm going to give you honor. I'm going to give you glory every step of the way. And you're pursuing God. Even if you take a step off the path, all he's going to do is just bump you back on track so that you can keep going. And remember, we don't create our destinies. God says, I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. I am the author and the finisher of your faith. In other words, God works from the end to the beginning. That means that he created your whole lifestyle over here, solidified it, and said, now let me go make Roy. He solidified your destiny here and everything you needed here. It goes, now let me go back in time and create Jeff. Or let me go and back and insert whatever your name is. And so we don't create our destinies. You got to understand that. We just step into what God already created. It's almost like finding Nemo, bro. That, 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 that PHC or the, 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 the PCH, whatever they called it, yeah. the Pacific Highway, where he met the turtles. Yeah. And here he was outside of the wave swimming and struggling, trying to get over there to, to Wallaby Way. And he <laughs> popped their head in. It, it started just flowing. And the dude with the turtle was like, bro, what's up, dude? You know what I'm saying? He's like, yo, how are you doing this, man? You just got to ride the wave. In other words, there was a wave that was already created where they didn't have to work as hard, but it was going to get them to where they needed to go. And when you understand what God has for you, he's already created the wave. All you got to do is step into what he's already created and trust the flow. Yo, that's clutch, bro. That's clutch. Yeah. Um, all right. Hot, quick, quick, hot, hot questions. Uh, three quick ones that we ask everybody. One, if you lost everything going from zero to 100, what's the first couple things you would do? to get back to building your speaker business, get back to being a pastor, get back to uh, doing everything in your business if you uh, went from zero to 100? Dog, I, I stay my course. If I lost everything, I would still do what I'm doing. I would hone my skills. I would make sure that I have stickability. When people lose things, they try to go and, and, and look at everything else and try to hop on this opportunity, hop on this opportunity. No, no, no. When you understand what you've been called to do, if I lost it all, I would stay right in my vein. I would build myself up and keep going and trust God because I know he's going to bring that opportunity in front of me. 
What was that? What was stickability? What book was that from? We read that yeah, book nah, together. Yeah, that's for that three feet of gold. One of my oh, there you go. Of all time. <laughs> so three, yeah, stickability is your ability to stand in something, uh-huh. even when everything else looks bad. It's your ability to stand in a place where every, when another zip code looks better, another company looks better, another opportunity looks better, because God says, I will bless you and bring you in front of great people. And so when you understand who you've been and you have stickability, that means I'm staying, I'm not moving. I know what I'm called to do. I'm going to stay in my vein. Then God honors consistency. God honors faithfulness. And before you know it, he'll get it back to you. All right, brother. All right, brother. What is success? Success is being who God created you to be, authentic, period. Because if you are true to who God has called you to be, then it's going to happen. People miss success because you're pretending to be somebody else that God didn't call you to be. So the highest form of success for me is to be authentic to my true self and authentic to the gift that God gave me. And everything else is a byproduct of being successfully you. All right, brother. Thank you, man. You came on here. You killed it, bro. Yeah. Killed it. Um, tell everybody where they could find you, where they could grab your books, uh, where they yeah. can go to, I, I do, uh, I always do this, uh, uh, when Jeff, uh, the other Jeff, um, the, the other pastor, Jeff, every, uh, Sunday he goes, get your butt to touch, yeah. <laughs> get your butt to touch. Yeah. So tell them where they can find you, where they can get your books, where they can get you to come speak, where, uh, they yeah. can go, uh, see you, uh, at church. Yeah, man. I tell everybody this, man. This success is also following God, man, and understanding his principles, because without God, you don't have any success. He's my hope. He's my glory. He's the reason why I am who I am and what I have. And so if you guys want to reach me on Instagram, I'm at Jeff, J-E-F-F-T, as in Tom Osborne, O-S-B-O-R-N-E. You can go to Jeff, uh, T-Osborne.com. My God morning 30 day of devotional is up there that you can uh, message me at Jeff T. Osborne um, at Gmail. You can do it as well to reach me and uh, and be able to make that happen. And then my team will get with you. We'll get you that book. You can download it and uh, and get your heart right. I'm about to re-release my other book, Buy the Coffee. And uh, and that's going to be a hot one. I'm excited about that. I'm working on another one. So it'll be good. But, man, holla at your boy. Yo, get the damn coffee. Buy the coffee. T- touch on yeah. that real quick. Get, yeah. Get from a, one minute on that real quick. That Just that concept because I love it. Yeah, yeah Brian, the coffee came at a moment where we didn't have anything, and so I was so depressed. Everybody tells you to cut back because financially you're in a low point. And finally, one day God was like, "Yo, uh, I want you to go to Starbucks and go get the coffee." I used to get Nadia ice chai and the chocolate croissant every day. And when money hit rough, I stopped going, and God kept going like, "Yo, buy, go buy the coffee." And I was like, "Nah, we ain't got it." He's like, "Go buy the coffee." I said, "Fine, God, I'm gonna go buy the damn coffee." <laughs> and that that was my statement. And so I went down to Starbucks, and when I made that payment. For that coffee, it took, cost me $7.47. Mm-hmm. The moment I did that, I looked around and everybody was alive. I looked around and people were like, man, Jeff, we missed you. And in that moment, I paid for that coffee. It made me alive and allowed me to know, man, that God was my resource. And so when I came out with the title of the book, Buy the Damn Coffee, that coffee may be taking that step of faith and buying that car. That, co- that coffee may be taking that step of faith and starting that business, buying that house. Uh, getting in that relationship. So it symbolizes something of faith. And you recognize that when you step out in faith, that God's resources never fall out out of your life. And so that's where it came from. Yo, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, we want to thank everybody that came out and listened to us live. Uh, it's gonna, I'm going to post this on everything, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, LinkedIn, every single podcast modality. Uh, that's Jeff, Pastor Jeff, my brother best-selling author, serial entrepreneur. 
I hope you guys enjoyed this show as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. Thank you guys. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, and make sure you tell my sis I said hi, I love her, and I miss her. I tell the kids, Uncle Dip said, what's up, man? Love you, bro. Everybody love y'all, man. Peace. All right, peace. You ready? Welcome to the Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the Success Code. Success Code.